Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Well, hello. It is a fantastic day here in Chicago, and we are bringing you a wonderful guest who is an award-winning entrepreneur and speaker, and he's going to talk to us all about demystifying MarTech. He's also a 500 Startups mentor. He's got such a great background he can share with you through the course of our conversation. And his newest book is Build Cool Shit. And so you know we're going to have some fun. With that, I want to welcome Dan McGraw to the program. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I tell everybody what what the company is and how you're pe- helping people with MarTech. And then we're going to explore all different things and get to your book. Yeah, no, I'm excited. So about uh, McGraw.io. Yeah, absolutely. And I apologize. I'm Dan McGraw. I'm the CEO founder of McGraw.io. It's a marketing technology and marketing analytics agency. So what does that mean, though? Really, at the end of the day, what we do is we help companies basically choose their tools, integrate their tools, and then operate them, and then leverage their tech stack to grow their business. Um, So it's a lot of technical marketing. Uh, We are not a marketing agency, so we don't do any digital marketing like PPC or content marketing. Uh, Really, we're specialized in helping people build their tech stack. Uh, So it's a lot of fun. And we love at at Disruptive CEO Nation, we'd like to talk to people across all different um, channels on building their business. And so let's talk about your your book. What's the main focus of your book? Yeah, good question. You know, I think one of the big things that happened, I mean, I've been in marketing technologies for over 20 years, right? So like for a long time, there's been a lot of these tools coming out. And over the past few years, it's become really, really overwhelming. And it's kind of hard to see through the noise and understand what's going on. Um, So what I wanted to do is try to write a really, really short executive guide, in essence, for how you need to think about your stack to really grow your business. So in the book, we really focus on saying, hey, listen, there's all this shit out there. Like, so obviously it's there, but you really need to have basically the main building blocks in your stack. And if you follow the methodology and how you integrate all these tools together, you'll be able to create some really, really positive outcomes. And we do focus on three primary outcomes in the book using as a case study to show you how would you do lead scoring? How would you do data enrichment? Um, how would you progressive profiling? And then how do you set up your analytics to really track all the stuff? Um, so it's a, it's a great book and I'm looking forward to people getting a chance to, to read it. And if at, at some point in the show, I'd love to give people a chance, a, a free copy of the book as well. Well, thank you for that. And I, I, I really do appreciate the mission of demystifying the technology. At Disruptive CEO Nation, we talk with a lot of company founders and entrepreneurs and, and really in the tech space. And I think you're right, it, it, it can get overwhelming. And so to have somebody grab you by the hand and say, how do I make sense of this? Do I even need all of this? Um, What do you think is the biggest question when companies look to you that are their biggest pain points or concerns? Yeah, you know, I think the the biggest pain points or things that people are looking at are typically not... Uh, really all that big of a deal. You know, the biggest pain point that we see when companies have marketing technology is they don't have good taxonomy, they don't have good tracking, Mm -hmm. um, and the tools aren't integrated. 
Well, that's not necessarily the pain point that they're having. The pain point that they're having, of course, is, hey, I can't automate this or I can't run personalization or I can't see the metrics to be able to help me drive my business. So usually the pain point of what they're coming to us about, uh, while that is, of course, the symptom, the underlying issue nine times out of 10 comes down to a lack of integration. And then the integration is done incorrectly um, through taxonomy. Because at the end of the day, the nomenclature that you use, what the way that we call things. So when you think about the data that you're storing in your marketing automation tool, right? We know your first name, we know your last name. Those are the easy things. But when we start getting into more advanced stuff, like knowing your company, how many employees work at your company, the revenue of your company, if you don't have all that correctly named, as it goes from your marketing automation tool to your CRM, to your analytics tools, if they're not correctly named in all of those tools, it's going to break and the data is not going to be able to map. It's not going to be able to carry through. So a common problem we see is really in the taxonomy uh, and then as well as in that integration layer. And Dan, I think you're being very, very kind in that you're not saying one of the biggest problems is actually the human beings trying to work with the technology. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny enough, uh, that's actually where the book name Build Cool Shit comes from. Uh, you know, my book is predicated on a case study that I had done and we rewrote it. But at the end of the presentation for one of them, it says basically your stack is only going to be as good as the people that you hire to use it. So build cool shit. Um, and our way of saying you're heavily dependent upon the people. You've got to make sure you have good people or you're not going to be able to build anything cool. <laughs> Absolutely. So appreciate that. I want to take a step back because you have this remarkable background. Um, not only have you been on the corporate side and the head of marketing and, and these different companies, but you also, um, my notes say that at one point you were part of the U.S. Ambassador to Entrepreneurship um, yeah. so, so tell us a little bit about your, your personal background. Yeah, you know, I've, I've been in marketing and technology since uh, the early days. I've been at this for over 20 years. So I got my start. I started my first company when I was 13 years old uh, back in 98 and was able to be successful in that business and had a lot of fun doing it. Um, I also um, ran multiple companies after that. Um, but I accidentally uh, got involved with a bunch of other really cool people. And we started the first business accelerator here in Orlando. And we really kind of put Orlando on the map uh, from a lot of different perspectives in regards to being a technology community. Um, and a few of us got together and we really focused on that. We started a, a, an accelerator called Starter Studio. Um, we then got the local universities to get involved. We got the government to get involved and a bunch of things like that. Um, and Uni the United States State Department was running a program where they were getting ambassadors of entrepreneurship to help other countries ultimately improve their entrepreneurship um, efforts. Uh, and I specialize in building entrepreneur ecosystems. How do you start with an entrepreneur ecosystem? How do you expand that? How do you build the curriculum to make it successful? And then how do you get everybody involved to do it? So um, I was selected by the State Department to be an ambassador of entrepreneurship. Uh, I went and uh, worked with Mexico, which was a lot of fun. So I had opportunities to go consult uh, and advise large corporations, universities, governments there. Um, so the Fed brought me down to Mexico and I did a bunch of consulting. I spoke at a lot of events. Uh, I did a lot of private stuff as well. Um, but it was it was a, an interesting opportunity. It was not something that like I was trying to go do. It's just something that happened. Uh, I guess I had a big enough uh, reputation at that point. Uh, but it was a, it was a, a wonderful experience. And, you know, I'm, I'm no longer doing that. But, um, you know, I, I learned a lot for that that trip as well. And Mexico is a lot different than America. So, I mean, they, the problems that they face compared to the problems that we face when trying to build an entrepreneur ecosystem is much different. Um, the most interesting thing that I found out is that in Mexico, as an example, the level of entrepreneurship is much higher in the than in the United States because 
everybody in Mexico is almost an entrepreneur in many cases. There's less large companies that are consuming up all the people. And there's a lot of people that are running an independent taco stand or a garage. So they have entrepreneurs, but they're struggling to get technology entrepreneurs and build an ecosystem. And mm-hmm. that's what I went down to help with. No, that's fabulous. And, and we, we love um, talking about everything with a global aspect on this podcast, because I truly believe, you know, business of tomorrow is, is going to not care so much about government boundaries. We're, we're, as entrepreneurs, we're just going to be like, we, where's the money, where's the clients, where, you know, how do we solve the problems? So I think that's a really interesting piece. And I, I think this piece about entrepreneur ecosystems, you know, I have the pleasure through this podcast of talking to business builders at, at all different stages. And I keep trying to emphasize to people who do not see themselves as entrepreneurs and maybe they're entrepreneurs, they still need to go listen to people like yourself and get this new burst of energy because every business needs to have an entrepreneur mindset to survive in the future. Um, With that, what would you say are some of the, the pieces of advice you find either through, um, McGraw IO or through working as a 500 startups mentor or working in this other space, what are some of the things that you think that people need the most motivation or wisdom to help them on their journey? Yeah. You know, it, the, at the end of the day, being an entrepreneur sucks, right? Like it's one thing <laughs> I always try to warn people is like being an entrepreneur is a different breed. Um, and you know, I'm a born entrepreneur. I don't, I really, Um, You know, I started my first company when I was 13, you know, I tried to start something when I was like nine. Um, And every time I've had a position at a a company, you know, it lasted for a few years and I wanted to go back being an entrepreneur. I like to build things and I like to, to see my own destiny. But being an entrepreneur is tough, right? Like, I mean, at the same time, I have a lot to manage. I'm the CEO of two companies, so I'm definitely really, really busy. And I have a lot on my plate and most entrepreneurs do, but you have to kind of go into it knowing that this is going to be hard. Like this is not going to be easy, but the payoffs, benefits that I get out of it, of course, outweigh the amount that it sucks. Um, I work a lot and things like that. And I think people have to accept that like, hey, listen, this isn't going to be easy. But the biggest things that I would just definitely say, like the lessons that I've learned or the tips that I always try to give entrepreneurs is, you know, the most successful entrepreneurs and the people that you hear about are the ones who didn't quit. Um, at the end of the day, this is a long journey. You, you didn't, everybody thinks that Facebook was an overnight success or Starbucks is an overnight success or Amazon was an overnight success. And it was like, no, you just didn't hear about it until it was a success. Um, it, there's, there's always been long slogs of trying to get this done. And you know, the companies that you hear about today are just the ones that didn't give up. Um, so you can't quit. You have to go into it with that mindset. And the next part that I would just say is that you have to accept failure. Um, failure is the most important part of being an entrepreneur. Um, failure is key to it. And you have to get over that. And that was one of the biggest things that when I was in Mexico, we were talking about was is that you have to build a culture that's accepting of failure, because that's what entrepreneurship is. The only difference between an entrepreneur and a entrepreneur is that a entrepreneur doesn't get back up and doesn't do it again with the lesson that they learned. They give up. Um, a real entrepreneur is going to fail. They're going to figure out what they did wrong. They're going to try a new way. And then they're going to keep doing that until they succeed. Um, and I think those are some of the most important things that people forget out, forget about it. And, you know, I'm going to echo the thing that I always try to remind entrepreneurs, listen, this is, being an entrepreneur and being a CEO sucks. Um, like being the CEO of Disney World is a much different thing because it's a big company. 
But when you're the founder and you're the CEO, it can definitely be tough. And you've got to go into it with that expectation that this isn't going to be pretty. Um, but hey, you know, um, I love my life. Um, I, I have a, amazing benefits from being an entrepreneur. So I, would, I would, wouldn't change it for the world. Let's switch back to what, what your, your company does, because we talk... When people are building the business and it doesn't matter what stage, it, it could be small and, and, and more of that startup phase or because every company makes leaps, right? Every At, at yeah. every juncture in a company's life, you need different knowledge and, and different wisdom. And we've been talking a lot with people about filling their skills gap. Because like you said, if you are the company founder and the CEO, you're trying to do everything and, and you can't. And, and so this concept, even when you're running your business, of paying people to do what you like don't like to do or finding people for your gaps. And your company is, is a, a great, um, I think, example of that because one of the things that you specialize in is, is funnel automation. Ah, I can't speak today. Automization and optimization. Dan, let's, we should probably all say that fast, super, you know, like 10 <laughs> times. Funnel automation and optimization. Uh, you can't have a, a modern business today and not have a funnel strategy. So yeah. do you have any, um, again, tips, tricks that you would share with our, our listeners when it comes to that aspect of their business building? Yeah, you know, I think most companies kind of forget that they need to, to design the funnel that they want to have. Uh, and they also forget that they need to track whatever their funnel is, whether that's online or offline, you need to have a really, really good way to track that, that funnel. Because if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. And at the end of the day, if you want to run a successful business, you've got to be able to manage that funnel. Um, so the big things that we always kind of help people, especially when dealing with more of the online funnels and things like that, is you've got to put the customer first and you've got to make it easy for them. Um, you've got to make it so it's super, super simple for them. So that way they're not jumping through many, many, many hoops to be able to accomplish whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And you'd be blown away. I mean, whenever we work with a company and we audit their funnel, we're always surprised of like, hey, you kind of make paying you really difficult. And we don't see it as the business owner because actually we're focused on helping ourselves, right? But when we really start to dig down and it, it's like, listen, you're making this really hard for people to be able to even check out. So in your funnel though, right? You need to have really good analytics so that way you can track and see what's going on. Uh, so there's definitely things in there. You wanna make things bite-sized for people. Um, you wanna make sure that they can kind of take their, their time to it. And the thing that I always try to tell people whenever they are, they're building their funnel or managing the funnel is that you have to remember that there is a set buyer journey that happens whether you like it or not. There is the awareness stage where they all of a sudden, hey, I, I realize that you have something. There's then the research phase where they have to then research your tool to make sure it's something they purchase. They then have to compare. So they have to make sure that this is something they have to consider it against their other options. And then finally, they purchase. Too many times business flip that. Because people become aware and they try to make you to purchase. You've got to make sure to walk people through that buyer journey so they have the opportunity to do their research, have the opportunity to do their consideration, and then purchase. And when you skip any of those steps, you see your conversions go down dramatically in that funnel. So you have to remember, you've got to follow a stereotypical buyer's journey to make sure you're setting your customer up for success. We've got to stop being self-centered in our own funnels and help our customer get what they need. Well, this, this point of trust, right? And, and micro moments. What are the micro moments that create the barriers to trust or, or wanting to complete, as you said, that buyer's journey? And, yeah, you know, and I think you can't, I, I love kind of the implication you have there of, you know, we can all do our member journey map and then we can all do if we want to do our, our kind of more sales funnel, but they have to be all, all integrated. They have to be 
looked at uh, together. Yeah. And again, reiterate what you just said. If you can't measure it, you can't master it or manage it. And that's mm -hmm. really great, great wisdom. Okay, Dan, we're going to ask, I happen to know that you are not only this fantastic CEO and founder, but you also have a big, full, robust family life. <laughs> <laughs> so you've shared that you have um, you have uh, three sons. So we have to ask you, how do you achieve? Um, I don't. I never like the word balance, but yeah. a completeness to what yeah. drives you and what your family needs. Any kind of thoughts or, or wisdoms for all of our other um, overwhelmed business builders? Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that we, whenever we talk to a candidate who wants to work here and said so they're looking for work-life balance, we say, I don't think that's the right fit. We're trying to create work-life harmony because at the end mm -hmm. of the day, like you've got to get harmony here. So I work heavily on that. So, um, you know, my wife is honestly, she does way more than I do in regards to making sure that our family is amazing. And I'm so thankful and grateful for the effort that she puts in. Uh, but we definitely try to make sure that we have really, really good time management. You know, my first thing in life, my, my number one goal in life is to make sure that I spend more time with my family than I do with my work. And that's one of the reasons why I work from home. Like this is not my, I'm not in my bedroom. I'm in a spare bedroom at our house, but I have an office here, but it makes it really easy because I can go see my kids whenever I want, whenever they're out of school. So I really prioritize family time and I make sure that that, that is really there. But most of that comes down from time management. So every single thing, every minute of my day is almost scheduled on my calendar. My wife and I use the same exact calendaring system. So that way everything, everything winds up in the calendar. This makes it a lot easier for me to be able to make sure that I can get to events. I know what events are coming up. So time management would be the first thing uh, outside of it being obviously a big priority. But th there's also a lot of sacrifice. And this is something that we teach our kids. Um, you know, my I have three boys, which I, I love my kids to death. I have a 16-year-old, uh, a 10-year-old, and a, and a six-year-old. And my 16-year-old actually goes to a boarding school. So like for half the year, he's at school. Um, luckily, it's only two and a half hours away, but it's still two and a half hours away. So, you know, he had to learn very quickly at the same time as I do, is that there's sacrifices that we make in life so that way we can follow our dreams. And that's one of the things that we try to teach our kids is, hey, listen, you know, daddy might not be able to make it to that soccer game because he's out of town or he's doing this. But these are the reasons why he's not there. It's not because uh, he doesn't want to be there. I want to be there and I get FaceTime into all kinds of stuff. But you really have to figure out how to make it work um, for you. You have to make it work for your family. Um, but you also have to make sure that you teach your kids the valuable lessons of, hey, it's I'm not here because or I'm not I missed this because of I have another thing that I have to be at. And you need to explain that story to them and, uh, and teach them sacrifice because, you know, I think. Um, in life, we're all going to make a lot of sacrifices. And we have to be able to say, why are we sacrificing something and why does it matter? Um, and I make a lot of sacrifices in my business um, to be with my family. And, you know, the number one sacrifice that I always tell people about, um, you know, I, I put my family first. And that's one of the reasons why I live in Orlando, Florida. Um, if I was putting my business first, there's no way in hell I'd be here. Um, I'd be in Boston, <laughs> Chicago, New York, or San Francisco, probably San Francisco. And, you know, I, I travel a lot. Um, but, you know, uh, my family comes first and I, I want to be here with them. And Orlando provides a great environment for that. Um, and so that's the reason why I'm here. That's a sacrifice. And those are the you have to figure out what sacrifices you're willing to make. OK, Dan, you promised the listeners at the beginning that you would tell them how they could get a hold of a copy of Build Cool Shit. So, yeah, um, why don't you do that? And then I've got another question to ask you before we wrap up. 
Yeah, you know, if you really want to see how cool marketing technology gets, I, I hope you take advantage of this. So what I want you to do is I want you to pull out your cell phone, right? Go to your text messages. I'm going to give you a number to text and you're going to text this number and you'll be able to get a free copy of my book. So um, the phone number you're going to want to text, the number is 415-915-9011. I'll say it again. It's 415-915-9011. If you text the word MarTech, so M-A-R-T-E-C-H to that number, you're going to interact with one of our automated bots. And that bot's going to ask you for your first name, your last name, your address, and then all the information we need to collect to basically be able to ship you the book. So if you do that, we'll walk you through the bot. We'll get you shipped out a copy of the book for free. That way you can learn and figure out what you need to do with your tech stack to be modern like a lot of these other companies out there. Well, thank you. Dan, separate from us all going and, and taking a look at your book, where, where do you get your top business insight today? Any podcasts, any things you like to read, any books on your bookshelf that you love? Yeah, great. Uh, really, really good question. You know, shockingly enough, I'm not that big into podcast listening. I just don't have the time or bandwidth to really do it. Um, I listen to a lot of books. So, you know, in 2020, I read 42 books. This year, I'm already at 20. Um, so listening to books is definitely my big thing. I'm a big runner, so I like to listen while I run. Um, mm -hmm. So most of my education and knowledge comes through that. But, you know, very fortunately, as a consulting company, I'm paid to do research all the time. So I get a lot of research from the Internet, uh, doing all kinds of stuff, doing demos of different tools. So I would say that's some of my biggest stuff. But if I had to say any of the books that have really stood out to me over the past couple of years, um, you know, Principles by Ray Dalio, I think is a fantastic read. Uh, really, really helpful. A little dense, but um, really aligns with me and my methodologies. Um, I really like the book Hard Things About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz, another really, really good read. Um, and then, you know, um, one of my favorite books that I wish I would have read earlier in a younger age uh, is the book Stillness is the Key by Ryan Holiday, uh, wow. which was a really, really good book. Uh, and, you know, the podcast that I do listen to every single day is The Daily Stoic from Ryan Holiday. Uh, and that's something I'm personally working on. And how do I build my stoicism and how do I um, be a better leader? Um, so as an example, right, uh, I gave up caffeine. Uh, not long ago. And I've actually, I was drinking decaf coffee in the morning. Um, but recently, about a week and a half ago, I've given up coffee all entirely. So I don't have any caffeine, which helps me be a better leader because I'm more balanced and more um, even keel. So um, I think Ryan Holiday does a great job in all of his books. Well, fantastic. And I'm going to just like bow down to you for the 42 books. But I, I, I hear what you're saying, though, if you can squeeze them in and, and listen to them versus just a uh, consuming them and in, in print. Um, so thank you so much for, for sharing that. We have an opportunity to also tell people how to find you um, in other ways. So if people want to learn more, connect with you, where should they go? Yeah, if you want to learn more and you want to get educated on these topics, please go to maga.io. Um, if you go to the bottom of the website, look for our downloads and resources. There's a ton of educational content, webinars, PDFs, all that stuff. And it's all free, right? So everything I do for work, I teach for free on our website as well. So definitely you can go get that. But if you really want to connect, you want to be able to have a meaningful conversation, just jump over to LinkedIn. I'm super active on there. I'm Daniel McGon on LinkedIn as well. Uh, I'd love to hear from you and happy to answer any questions that you have. Well, Dan, thank you so much. We're so glad that you took out time of your busy day to be a guest on Disruptive CEO Nation. Um, to our listeners, I also just want to remind you to pick up a copy of my book, Building Your Brand, Make Business Happen in a Global Economy on Amazon. So you, now you can read Dan's book and my book at the same time. Um, until then, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Dan, thank you again. Thanks for having me. This is awesome.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.